Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, welcome back. Uh, Today we are looking at Genesis 38 to 40, and there are quite a few different stories in here. We get some Joseph, we get some Judah, um, Perez, which you seem very interested in talking about. I am. I think that's really cool. So some recently, cup bearers, some bakers. Recently at our church, headless bakers. Uh, we did stop. We did a service, or excuse me, we did multiple services, uh, but we did a series on the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, you see um, some of the lineage that like dates back from like Jesus' lineage all the way back to a man named Perez. And so as we were reading chapter thirty-eight, we see the birth of Perez unfolding out of like a seriously messed up situation. (laughs) Daughter-in-laws like having sex with their father-in-laws, like very weird. Uh, We can talk about that more later. But the point being... It's it's funny that you just like say that and that's that's like, we'll come back to that, don't worry. We will. But I think the even crazier part, because as you can already tell, that's a super messed up situation. But again, we talk about this often, how these crazy like messed up situations happen and God still uses the mess in order to like create like a pathway for us so anyway uh perez is born but like even the craziness of that is perez is a twin and his brother was supposed was like coming out first and they tied on i think they said a red scarlet cord yeah scarlet cord to his finger so that they would know when the babies were born who was first born and just out of nowhere, that little baby whips its hand right back in and Perez is born first. And what's significant about that is that firstborns are like regarded more highly in the lineage of things. And Perez is what links us from Judah all the way down to Jesus, which is so cool. This would have the the original audience would have heard this story and they would have interpreted that something supernaturally important was going to occur because of this son. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the first time that we've seen twins in conflict <laughs> in the womb. That should remind us of Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we have Perez was not supposed to be first. Right. Uh, Zero was supposed to be first, but Perez uh, emerges triumphant, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he like yanked him back in or if it was like, just like a weird sporadic motion of the other baby to just like whip back in. <laughs> so I don't know how many times I'm going to talk about this, but I feel like I already have some. Like the, these are not stories about these people. These are stories right. about how God moved in the lives of these people. And so when Perez comes out and he's not supposed to, mm-hmm. that signifies that like, wow, God's going to do something interesting. And ultimately it alludes to the fact that Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm. They would not have necessarily understood right. that, but we do. Um, and we should, we should capture that. We should understand that. So yes. Now, what do you want to talk about first with now that your exciting story about Perez is taken care of? Oh, well, it's just, I just think that was super cool. And like the way that it all came about. So like Tamar's husband dies and she is looking for, like you say all the time, looking for someone to continue the line. And there's like just person after person after person that just continue to die off or just say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, let's talk shortly about Tamar's husband. Uh, Genesis 38, verse 7. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Yep. That's Just it. Like that. We don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we do know that Judah is not necessarily a stellar dude. Uh, we also can gather that his sons don't seem to be particularly stellar dudes. Mm-hmm. So there's there's Ur, and there's also Onan. Uh, and this is, this is a little bit TMI, but Onan is supposed to help Tamar bear a son in the line of their family. So this is pretty normal in the in that culture it's obviously not normal in our culture today mm-hmm. we see this as very odd they would not have seen this as very odd onin for some reason refuses to bear any children to tamar most likely it's because he doesn't want to share his inheritance right so most likely the reason he says like oh i don't you know i don't want to have a son by her it's because he doesn't want to dilute uh what is his stuff he wants mm-hmm. his stuff to go to his kids and he doesn't want extra kids but then he dies anyway because god puts him to death yeah so this this would have been seen as incredibly scandalous, actually, and it would have left Tamar with no way forward. We'll see the significance of this more when we talk about Ruth in the future, uh, which you mm-hmm. alluded to already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is what's happening here. And so the original audience and ourselves, we should look at Onan as like not super God-honoring. And so then <laughs> we also find out that Judah is not super God-honoring because... Um, I, I underlined it. Things into her own uh, hands. Chapter 38, verse 15. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute. Uh, for she had covered her, covered her face. He turned to her at the roadside and said, Come, let me come to you. For he did not know it was his daughter-in-law. So Judah is apparently kind of a scandalous dude as well. Um, Which we already knew at the beginning anyway. And there's kind a, of a developing that. theme that these guys just don't know what women look like, apparently. Yeah, that's I, so weird. I don't know. Anyway, so all that to say... These these two twins come to be because of just like this really messed up interaction between father-in-law and daughter-in-law. Very weird. Again, deceit. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is deceit present once more. Uh, and this is how Perez which, and Zira are born. Which also kind of lead, it leads us into more of that deception that we're seeing again. So we kind of jump straight from that right back into where joseph is so joseph is in egypt and joseph's a good dude yep joseph's character is like fantastic now jenny has recognized (laughs) some i said a a small character flaw with joseph i I said this boy needs somebody to give him something to keep his cloaks on because every time he every time he gets his coat stolen from him the boy ends up in prison so the first time the brother stole it and he was sold off as a slave Second time, Potiphar's wife, who Jacob, or excuse me, Joseph was very trusted with, rips his coat off and then blames him for trying to get it on with her when he clearly did not, and he was thrown into prison yet again. So Joseph this boy needs, needs like a some car kind heart. of yeah. He needs a car heart. Those zippers are really strong; like they <laughs> yes. don't just fall off. That's what he needs. Uh, we do see that Joseph has incredible character. He is an honorable man. We also see uh, we we had like a little bit of a debate about this offline i guess but a uh, discussion not debate but god is purposely uh prospering joseph mm-hmm. i don't know if we can use that to say that god is purposely prospering all of us mm-hmm. because we we were just in job we saw that god took things away from job right but here with joseph but prosper- and actually with abraham isaac and jacob we've seen god like give incredible influence and possessions mm-hmm and so that's happening with Joseph. What's unique about Joseph is that God has been doing this uh, to ensure his plan, I think. Like he is prospering these people to bring his promise. And Joseph, you'll see, is going to become a linchpin 
in God's promise because there's going to like disaster is going to occur in Canaan and they're going to need um, food and care mm-hmm. from Egypt where Joseph is. I'm, I guess I'm giving away what's going to happen eventually, but well, something I think that's kind of cool about Joseph is that he is like known as this like respected guy and he's also blessed by God. Yeah. But his is unique in that I think he's he's blessed by God through his dreams. Or like I guess I should say his dreams and interpretation of dreams. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he has credibility because of these things. Mm-hmm. Um they kind of get him into <clears throat> his trouble in the first place, but we see as he's interacting with these servants of the palace that he understands what is troubling them from their dreams and what he interprets comes to fruition. And that's just like the first instance where we see this kind of gift, I guess, from God kind of playing out. I can't help but think of how similar Joseph is to Daniel. And I guess we'll, we'll see that in Daniel, but dreams Joseph and Daniel to be seem very, very uh, prominent these days. It seems like it's kind of weird. Like we're reading about them literally a lot. what the sermon was today. Yeah. Our, church. our sermon talked about dreams today. As far as Daniel's concerned, there is so. a play on words about lifting people's heads. Oh gosh. In chapter 40. You didn't catch that? I did, but it's like <laughs> oh, sad. It's so bizarre. So the uh, the cupbearer is going to be lifted up. I and feel that... real bad for the baker. <laughs> so the cupbearer is going to be lifted up, and that means he's going to be promoted. I hope he was just like a really bad guy. <laughs> the baker is going to be lifted up, and that means hung. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> very, very different outcomes here. Uh, but uh, Joseph is able to interpret the dreams they're having. Uh, there is a funny verse. It's uh, chapter 40, verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation yeah, was favorable, he said to Joseph. So the baker was like, oh, that's cool. You had a dream and it meant good things are going to happen to you. So he's like, Joseph, how about my dream? And Joseph's like, yeah, you're going to die. Maybe that's kind of like a like foreshadowing of what's to come because there's two dreams later too. One is good, one is bad. Yeah, that, that seems to be a, a theme anyway. Uh, but something you'll want to want to remember for future episodes, uh, chapter 40, verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, yes. but forgot him. So That's Joseph the asked. last thing that we read. So Joseph is serving these people well. They get what they need from Joseph. They forget him completely. Hmm. And Joseph is, what's interesting about that is that Joseph is left with only God to contend for him. So it's not like this idea of the cupbearer being like, oh, everything rests on if that cupbearer is going to like Joseph or mm-hmm. not. No, God's already taken care of Joseph. And so Joseph, hopefully, I, I would guess, is more and more and more trusting of what God is doing. Which and... I think that could kind of go with a your part for today. Yeah, tell us. Because I feel like Joseph, in a way, and I probably would too, puts his hope in other people to save him. Like, hey, don't forget to put in a good word for me because I gave you this. And I find myself oftentimes putting my hope in other people and other things not God. And I feel like this is a cool like instance where, like you were saying, Ryan, Joseph is by himself with God, relying on him for rescue, essentially. Yeah, he has nowhere else to look. Which is what we can also find ourselves doing as well. Secure in what God has planned for us. So seek him. Like, don't rest in people, rest in God. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll hear a little bit more about what Joseph is up to and ultimately what God is up to. So... See you later. Genesis 38. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. There Judah saw the daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. He took her 
and went into her, and she conceived and bore a son and called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. Yet again she bore a son, and she called his name Shelah. Judah was in Chezib when she bore him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife, and perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went into his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground, so as not to give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow in your father's house till Shelah, my son, grows up. For he feared that he would die like his brothers. So Tamar went and remained in her father's house. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shua's daughter, died. When Judah was comforted, he went up to Timnah to, the sh- to his sheep shears, and he and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. And when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapping herself up, and sat at the entrance of Eniam, which is the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown up, and she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He turned to her on the roadside and said, Come, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me, that you may come in to me? He answered, I will send you a young goat from the flock. And she said, If you give me a pledge until you send it. He said, What pledge shall I give you? She replied, Your signet and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and went away, and taking off her veil, she put on the garments of her widowhood. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, to take back the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the men of the place, Where is the cult prostitute who was at Eniam at the roadside? And they said, No cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also the men of this place said, No cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, Let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be laughed at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, Bring her out, and let her be burned. As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, By the man to whom these belong, I am pregnant. And she said, Please identify whose these are the signet and the cord and the staff. Then Judah identified them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did not know her again. When the time came of her labor, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread to his hand, saying, This one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out, and she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward his brother came out, and the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. 
Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all he had. From the time that he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and in field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was a handsome, was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until the master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant, whom you have brought among us, came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in the master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, 
In my dream, there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is, an, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, as formerly, when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here I have also done nothing that they put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on the tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all the servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among the servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and placed a cup in the Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker at as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.